Welcome to Creative Biolabs Science Channel. Creative Biolabs is a specialized contract research organization supporting mRNA studies with all-round solutions covering mRNA synthesis, modification, and mRNA therapeutics development. With an unwavering pursuit of innovation and lifelong learning, we keep on producing podcast series related to mRNA technology based on our knowledge and practical experience gained through years of exploration in this area. Subscribe to our channel and keep updated with our podcasts. Hello, my dear friends. Thank you for tuning in to Creative Biolabs podcast series this evening. In the last episode, we learned that antigens must be carefully selected and several considerations must be kept in mind for successful immunization. We have also talked about some drawbacks of mature dendritic cells loaded with total tumor RNA. Another important content is that although the use of total tumor RNA to load mature dendritic cells can lead to antigen presentation and induce immunological and clinical responses in the body, this technology still has some shortcomings. Today, we are glad to have David's here with us again. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. So our topic today is the ways that dendritic cells carry messenger RNA. What can you tell us about it? I think it's a good idea to briefly review what we have discussed last time since our topic today is related. Remember we said that targeting multiple antigens can reduce the possibility of tumor cell immune escape. And it is advantageous to use synthetic messenger RNA to target multiple antigens. We have also said that the characteristics of the selected antigen are very important for successful anti-cancer immunity. The use of dendritic cells to deliver antigens depends on the ability of the immune system to distinguish between self-proteins and tumor-specific antigens. In addition, the load of dendritic cells requires a minimum amount of tumor messenger RNA. With all this information, I can't stress enough that the separation of messenger RNA from tumor cells is critical. In general, do you think the amount of messenger RNA obtained from tumor cells is stable? Not really. We know that from each clinical trial, the amount of RNA isolated from each gram of tumor usually varies greatly from patient to patient. But in one study, it was reported that when each patient used all available messenger RNA, there was no statistically significant correlation between vaccine responders and non-responders and messenger RNA concentration. So what can we do to get the ideal amount of tumor RNA? We can use in vitro amplification of tumor-derived total RNA. It was first reported about 10 years ago that this can be a feasible technique to expand the RNA content and even enrich the messenger RNA. In a clinically applicable way, an unlimited amount of tumor messenger RNA can even be produced, starting from frozen sections of microdissected microscopic tumor samples by laser capture. This technology can also selectively obtain tumor cells followed by RNA extraction, reverse transcription polymerase chain reaction amplification and in vitro transcription. And most importantly, we can use this technique to obtain a full-length messenger RNA suitable for dendritic cells transfection. Do you mean we can amplify tumor-derived messenger RNA in vitro when the messenger RNA yield is too low? Exactly. This will allow all patients who undergo biopsy to have enough tumor messenger RNA. Then the same number of dendritic cells can be used to load each patient's dendritic cells. 
Do you know of any clinical applications that use this technique? Yes, it has been used in clinical trials on patients with advanced melanoma. However, electroporated immature dendritic cells with messenger RNA amplified in vitro have a low survival rate after freezing and thawing. I don't think the group further investigated why this has happened. But they believe that some in vitro amplified RNA species may interfere with the recovery of dendritic cells. Have you seen any proteins in tumor cells affect the messenger RNA loaded on dendritic cells? Certainly, functional proteins expressed by tumor cells are harmful to the messenger RNA loaded on dendritic cells. We have been talking about methods, you know, like the in vitro amplification to get tumor RNA, and patients undergo biopsy to extract total tumor messenger RNA. But what about patients? I mean, is there any requirement for the patients that make them suitable for the procedure? Yes, there is. The procedure is only suitable for patients with resectable diseases. This is in sharp contrast to the theory of immune surveillance. In the theory of immune surveillance, dendritic cell-based immunotherapy may have the highest potential in the early stage of the disease or in patients with minimal residual disease. How to overcome the difficulty of not having autologous tumor material? Let's take immunotherapy for prostate cancer patients as an example. In the absence of autologous tumor material, messenger RNA can be extracted from three allogeneic tumor cell lines. This proved to be a good choice for androgen-resistance immunotherapy. It has been reported that in vitro, cytotoxic T lymphocytes produced by dendritic cells loaded with RNA of a tumor cell line can kill other tumor cell lines. What do you think this suggests? I think this method loses the advantage of patient-specific tumor antigen presentation. But on the other hand, the use of allogeneic tumor cell lines may allow the production of a ready-made product suitable for all patients with specific tumor types. So there are both good and bad associated with this method. I have seen a recent review that scientists conducted a lot of research on the best choice of tumor antigen source. Can you tell us about the results of these studies? Sure. I think it was written in the review that all clinical dendritic cells immunotherapy studies are independent of antigen preparations. The results were impressively collected from 3,444 patients in 173 published trials. Researchers use whole tumors or tumor extracts as antigens for immunotherapy. Compared with the use of molecularly defined antigens, the proportion of patients with objective clinical responses is higher. There is no difference in the antigen structure used in different studies. In order to rule out the underlying cause of the tumor type leading to the beneficial results of total tumor-derived antigen, the same analysis was performed only on patients with advanced melanoma. And still, they came to the same conclusion. The response rate of autologous and allogeneic tumor materials was also investigated, and the results were not significantly different. The study concluded that the direct stimulation of tumor-specific antigens has no effect. Oh, I think I know another study, in which researchers analyzed 626 patients with malignant melanoma in 38 immunotherapy trials. They reached the same conclusion as well. That's right. In addition, it was pointed out in this study that the use of specific antigens in the form of peptides is associated with a high incidence of stable diseases. 
Vaccination with autologous tumor antigens has a slightly higher tendency to cause a complete or partial response. But this was not statistically significant. Now let's move on to the next topic, which is relevant to what you just mentioned. In what ways can dendritic cells carry messenger RNA for vaccination? Oh, there are many different ways, like to load dendritic cells with messenger RNAs in vivo and in vitro. Talking about direct in vivo injection of cell-free messenger RNA as a vaccine preparation first, this is a very attractive method. Because it is simpler, more labor-saving and cheaper than the in vitro method. Currently, for messenger RNA preparations for delivering immature dendritic cells in vivo have been described. However, the effectiveness of the delivery and the accompanying delivery of mature stimuli remains a problem. So do you think the in vitro loading is better? Yes, it is. Dendritic cells can be induced by maturation inducers in vitro to simulate an inflammatory response environment. In vitro RNA loading can be performed in different ways. Just to list some, you know, like simple co-incubation, receptor-mediated endocytosis, liposome infection, electroporation, and particle-mediated transfer. So far, only simple co-incubation and electroporation techniques have been used in clinical trials. Can you describe simple co-incubation? Simple co-incubation just means that, simply co-incubating immature dendritic cells with RNA. It is the simplest method of antigen delivery. But usually, the uptake of messenger RNA is suboptimal. In general, this will result in undetectable or very low protein expression. Therefore, it is not surprising that we have seen conflicting results regarding the T cell stimulation potential of these dendritic cells. It reminds me of electroporation which is also an effective technique to load antigen-encoded messenger RNA into dendritic cells. That's right. But electroporation has a higher transfection efficiency compared to simple co-incubation and even liposome infection. So five clinical studies have been reported using electroporation, and several others are currently underway. Other than its high transfection efficiency, what other advantages does this technique have? It's fast and relatively simple. Dendritic cells can be modified without changing their immune phenotype, maturation potential, migration ability, and T cell stimulation potential. In addition, electroperated mature dendritic cells can be cryopreserved without losing these characteristics. Wow, no wonder it sounds like a preferred method. Oh, but you can expect that it also has some disadvantages. One possible disadvantage is the reduction of interleukin 12p70 secreted by dendritic cells. But recent studies have shown that this can be offset by electroporation of the messenger RNA encoded by interleukin 12p70. Such dendritic cells can induce a strong antigen specific T cell response with high affinity and can enhance the effector function of natural killer cells. In addition to the messenger RNA encoding cytokines, can other exogenous messenger RNAs be added to improve the function of dendritic cells? Absolutely. The RNA used in vitro includes mRNA encoding selectin to promote dendritic cells migration and functional proteins encoding messenger RNA. They act on the T cell stimulation ability of dendritic cells. It is not only tumor antigens, 
cytokines or other functional proteins encoded by messenger RNA that can be electroporated into dendritic cells. Other RNAs, such as small interfering RNAs that induce mature double-stranded RNA analogs, or cytokine expression such as interleukin-10, can also be electroporated into dendritic cells. That's convenient. I heard that a research team has carried out a small interfering RNA experiment that can induce immune proteasome beta subunit. Have you seen this study? Yeah. I believe they modified the monocytes that are precursors of dendritic cells. Monocytes can also be electroporated with messenger RNA. These dendritic cells can stimulate autologous influenza-specific T-cells, but the electroporation efficiency is quite low. They also showed that after dendritic cells electroporation at the monocyte stage, the yield of mature dendritic cells is higher. The electroporation efficiency of enhanced green fluorescent protein messenger RNA was still 51% on the eighth day, which is the time when dendritic cells are fully mature. I think we can easily imagine that such a long time between transfection and vaccination may result in insufficient expression of proteins with shorter half-lives than enhanced green fluorescent protein. There haven't been any completed clinical trials published on dendritic cells electroporation at the monocyte stage. And that's all for today. Thanks everyone for listening. And thanks David, for being here and sharing your expertise with us. We will be back next week.